Welcome, citizen, to the Watchtower. My name is Gary. And my name is Ben, and we'll be your guides as you peruse the archives of the world's greatest superhero group, the Justice League. And we hope that you'll join us on today's adventure. Welcome to episode 49, Comfort and Joy. N- not part one. I'm part used to saying everything. Part, part all. Merry Christmas, part everything. Everyone. Yes. yes, and happy December. Outside, you can hear the dude ringing the bell at the Walmart, and you can maybe see snow where you're at. Uh, I can't, but I'm I understand very jealous. what's happening. <laughs> I can see what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, is, uh, is it snowing up in, in, in your area yet? It is not snowing in uh, silly Philadelphia yet. Okay. Um, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a coming though. It it, sure. do, it does every year. So, um, right. it's it's really the cold that bothers. I, also, I don't have my winter boots yet. I have to go get those from my parents' place. Oh, okay. But uh, then I will be uh, ready to tackle the winter and see what kind of leaks I need to fix. <laughs> Yeah, for me in the part of North Carolina I live in, it could either snow some or it could snow none. So every time I walk through the store and I see a snow shovel, I'm like, is this the year I'll need it? And then I don't buy it. Remember last winter in Texas? Like all but all bets are off now, man. It could be yeah. lava flows outside. It could be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, last year we didn't see a, see a single snowflake uh, in in my area, and that's because you got precipitated on by a bunch of snow that also made you temporarily blind. Is that true? Yeah, 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 yeah. You weren't you. You didn't know about it because you couldn't see because you were blind. Well, also, I I didn't leave the house, so also good. Yes, <laughs> there was a lot going on last year. Very little of it was outside. <laughs> Speaking of a lot going on, uh, this episode. Do you want to give us a brief synopsis, Ben? Oh, hold on, hold on. Actually, let me uh, uh, Watchtower initiate Christmas protocol. Oh, you installed lights. You installed lights and it was that like a little mechanical nutcracker thing going around yes. like a cuckoo clock. Yeah, and there's a nice fireplace. That is absolutely just the reactor that powers the watchtower. Yeah, well, could be. But you did take the safety screen off so I can see it in all its beautiful glow. I did and I changed very the sound festive. from a from a whole to a nice crackling, you know, just just yes. for today. Yes, I, I see that you threw a bunch of charcoal briquettes into it. <laughs> and those are vaporizing nicely. Excellent. Yeah, it, it's just the mood we need for this episode. So what's it all about, Ben? Well, Gary, uh, in this Christmas episode of the Justice League, the Justice League retires to enjoy the Christmas holiday in their own ways. Green Lantern and Hawkgirl have a snowball fight and then go to an alien discotheque for a bar fight. Uh, Flash visits the orphans again and goes on a trip to get them their favorite toy. Superman sees that Jean doesn't have anyone to share Christmas with, so he invites him to stay with the Kents. As they all wrap up their very low-stakes plots, the team gets a little well-earned R&R before the series finale. And you forgot the most important plot point is that Batman decided to spend <laughs> Christmas, the Christmas on the Watchtower watch. by that, himself. That was a really fun like little throw. No one talked about where Wonder Woman was, but they felt the need to tell us, man, DC Animated Series, uh, the, the DC Animated use Universe isn't so heartless that even the criminals don't get a day off on Christmas. Right. And therefore, Batman has nothing to do. Right, yeah, so it's true. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea that Batman just opts to avoid everyone and spend Christmas in space. Like that's that that reads pretty well to me. So we don't have much to say about Batman or Wonder Woman, but we can speculate Wonder Woman doesn't have a, a holiday to celebrate because that's all mandated by Earth Customs. And um, as a proud Amazonian, she holds no truck with most of it. It's true. And Christmas is, uh, you know, Santa and the Mascarians don't believe men are heroes. So, I mean, obviously, no. Santa, Santa is made out of clay and uh, <laughs> births from its uh, the infinite bosom of the sea uh, presence. And that's how they get uh, the, get their gifts. Dreidels are also made of clay. Are are the Amazon? Because this was the plot point for the Amazons. They like came out of the ocean because of some clay mother. I don't remember the specifics. It was back in the episode where we had the Hippolyta uh, highlight. Right. Are, are Amazonians just are just, are they just Jewish? I I guess that's one option. Nothing else goes anywhere near that theory, but I still like it. <laughs> It's just extreme Judaism, in, in a sense. <laughs> Judaism extreme. Extreme. Yeah. I don't know. It, like <laughs> they they inherited a lot of their culture from like Greeks and and whatnot. Right. So I I my guess is not. Yeah, I'm but, I'm barely certain not. But it's a fun uh, premise. It's fun to have fun, Gary. It is fun to have fun. It's um, but cute yeah, to be cute. We've we've got three kind of different different plot lines to follow. All yep. of them are very low stakes and, right. you know, pretty heavy on the emotional content and low on the action content. And they start out right away. Right. We're in media res. Yeah. I, I, what order do we want to do these in? Um, I, I guess I guess we could start with uh, Green Lantern and Hawkgirl because I feel like there's the least uh, emotional resonance in that arc, perhaps. Yeah, I, I, I like that as a way to start up. Um, that that is a fairly consistent for their relationship, but adds a little bit of texture to it, kind of thing. Yep. So we, we jump in on them, and GL is being very cute. Everyone's oh. so cute in this episode. I know. GL is just he's snowboarding down a down a mountain, <laughs> using a Green Lantern construct made of snowboard. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's so many ways that this scene could have come off worse. Like. Mm-hmm. If, if he was his normal stoic... This is an interesting episode. Yeah. Because everyone's putting on their holiday face. Right. Like, it, they, they're letting their guard down. We're seeing them out of, you know, uniform, more or yep. less. He, they're not out of uniform. He's still wearing his Green Lantern, you know, onesie. Right. But it, he's he's got a big smile on. And he's usually, like, one of the most stoic of the bunch. So, like... And he's grinning from ear to ear, making snow angels, talking about his grandma took him snow, took him sledding, and it was the best time of year. And mm. yeah, I love and, it. Yeah, yeah. And Hawkgirl's just like, I don't get it. <laughs> right. I don't get it. But snowball fights means that we're fighting, which is means that we're now in foreplay mode, right. uh, and that I can connect with. Right. Yeah. 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 It was it was cute because he, he did the snowboard. And then he did a snow angel. Um, <laughs> and there was a comment about, you know, making wings. And I thought for sure she was going to say something about that, permanently having wings attached to her, but she yeah. didn't. Um, and then I, they uh, just leave that to sit. In, like, it's it's a pretty clear 
Oh, yeah, something the, could be said like we're just like drawing attention to the fact that there's that pregnant pause that dead oh, air yeah. where we're just like she does she's not feeling this <laughs> i know <laughs> but then like you say he initiates the uh, snowball fight and that's where she gets interested oh we're fighting now we're yep. flirting now right I, I i know this song and dance what a complicated gal she's complicated but she is like sunnier in her mm-hmm. disposition than she once was. You know, they, they would they used to fight and, like, get their hackles raised. Now right. they fight and they, like, flirt while they're doing it. Right. You know? And she looks great in her jacket. I, I don't know. It did bother me a little bit that John wasn't wearing a, uh, a coat or something, you know, like, more appropriate. Yeah, like, I wanted him to be dressing down like he did in the, um, you know, in the bare moments of characterization that we get Mm-hmm. with him on his own walking right. down downtown detroit in his shaft cosplay right you know playing yeah. baseball with the neighborhood kids and stopping in by a bar- barbershop to talk to his old history teacher yeah. like he he's not you know married to the job to the extent that he never takes his uniform off maybe, right. maybe it's just because hawk girl is there and that's how they know each other best and i can imagine their relationship is fraught enough and they're both such duty-bound people that like trying to get to a place of comfort as opposed to like the we are who we are as soldiers around each other like i can imagine that there being some uh time right. needing to adapt to that like That's, maybe yeah. you know they're, they're 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 going on dates now but they're not staying the night at the other one's place right right i, I maybe that's how we can explain that away but it's cute you know it he's is. using i like the little uh, animation detail of uh she hits him with uh she she just punches him i think or or like she pulls him into a tree right a bunch of snow falls on him buries him and then the green lantern constructs of like 50 little green hands come out ready to throw (laughs) snowballs (laughs) i think that that's very cute oh and i forgot the other thing that he did was he built a snowman and used the green lantern constructs to sort of form the eyes and nose and everything which i thought felt a little cheap but you know yeah it, it is cheating but yeah, we can just follow their plot line to its natural conclusion if you'd like. Yeah, that's that fine. Makes, that probably makes more sense because none of these intersect at all. No, they don't. That this this episode jumps around a lot for those who haven't seen this recently. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, they because Green Lantern has all this nostalgia for these you know kind of snow games, and Hawkgirl says uh, this is not how I relax. <laughs> right. I'll show you how I relax. And they go to an alien discotheque that looks so damn similar to the first episode of Samurai Jack, or maybe the second. Oh. The it like that that bar that they go that that club that he goes into with the pounding music and the girls with three eyes dancing on the in those chandelier things. It reminded me so strongly of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, she she knows people there. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> Like, this is where she goes. This is playing right into our... This is the other good thing about this episode, is that, like, it plays into a bunch of theories that we kind of already have. Right. Where, like, she doesn't really have a home base. It's just a series of one-night stands. It it, it makes her out to be kind of a party gal. It's true. So the fact that she's, like, frequenting this club of miscreants is... is, mm, I like it. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminded me of... I don't know. I want to say maybe, like... War World a little bit, or um, oh, more specifically yeah. in Blackest Night, um, because of the uh, just all the aliens that we see just running yeah. around this place. 
it's just like uh, it was like walking into the uh, Men in Black uh, agency <laughs> where like right. they're all just in lines and they're not doing anything in particular. They're like Futurama aliens. They're just just right. being at a bar or walking around out night. <laughs> they're not yeah. doing any alien stuff. Right. And she uh, she goes up to the barkeep. This animation touch is so good where that she's walking up to the bar and all the background details are excellent. Mm-hmm. The bar stools, you know, there's there's a bunch of little chairs at the bar. There's one gigantic chair for the guy that, you know, is later going to be the initiator to the fight. Right. That's just so good. Like, the, the idea that this alien bar who has to cater to a bunch of different body sizes has gigantic extra-wide chairs in, 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 uh, in addition to just, like, the regular bar stools. That is true, yeah. Everyone oh, is it. welcome. Yeah, and as long as you can pay. Right. Including who I'm going to refer to as Doomsday's cousin. Oh, it was yeah. That's the that's the guy who starts the fight. He's got a bunch of like crystalline crystalline structure to him. Right, right. A lot like Doomsday, just a different color. I think. A little less menacing. Not like ancient <laughs> pits of hate where his eyes should be. That kind of thing is right. a little bit absent. He's just a chunky crystal boy. <laughs> you know. Chunky crystal boy. Yeah. That's that's a hashtag. My, yeah, I, I don't know if you have any extra chunky crystal boy, but like I, Halloween just ended, and my bucket's still full of uh, you know dozens of them. <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna get rid of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, they go to the bar, and it serves uh, the the bartender serves her flurb. Was that the noun? I think so. Yeah, it's it's something very clearly. It's like you know gack or flubber or <laughs> any kind of just gross sounding nonsense word right uh which is as close as they could get to beer she takes a big swig she belches you know this is her version of letting her hair down it's yep. not about being you know feminine and wearing a slinky dress it's about like enjoying the night out and being a rabble rouser because that's who she is at heart she, she channels that toward justice when she's on the team or when she's a cop Right. But if she didn't have the cop thing, she'd probably just be <laughs> a miscreant <laughs> spending the night, night in the lockup. She hands this stuff to John, right? And we get a good look at it, and there's, like, live worms swimming mm. around in it, and it's it's really... Like that cheese. <laughs> yes. You know that fancy cheese that has, like, live worm cultures in it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've never had it, but, you know. No, me neither. I've, I I've just heard, heard about it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, it looks vile. I mean, it, it looks like a primordial swamp in a mug. Doesn't look great. Mug looks clean, though. I mean, well, that is credit important. Where, credit where credit is due. <laughs> right. You know what you're getting when you order a flurb. Yeah, and I'll just be like, "Excuse, do you have any just vodka? No worries." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she says, "You know, there's only one thing that can make this night any better." You know, kind of with the like coy, flirtatious attitude, leaning into him, and he's like. What did you have in mind? Right. And she picks up her mace, smacks Doomsday's cousin's hand, hands John the mace, and says, and fight. Yep. <laughs> and then it's just a rumble until dawn. Yep. <laughs> um, a lot, I mean, there's a lot of fun little moments of characters flying across the screen, but I mean, it's basically just a fight. 
Uh, but it there's does... so no there's no stakes it, like right. there's no orchestral score behind it. This is just we're having a bar fight to have a bar fight. Right. John is like a little put, or John is like a little put off because he wasn't expecting it. Yep. Um, but she is grinning from ear to ear. Yep. Yep. He was expecting something else. And and I mean this seems like the kind of place that like I'm surprised Lobo didn't just walk in and be like, hey guys, you know. Oh yeah, he's a frequent. Uh, he's a frequent. Uh, or maybe they have like one of the posters. Do not let serve this man any any beer. <laughs> I can I can see that being the case. He seems like a problematic drunk. Yeah. I'm willing to say. He seems like a problematic sober. I mean, like Hawk Girl probably just gets you know gets a little sloppy. Yeah. You know, it, it she's she's not. Well, maybe she is punching holes in walls when she gets drunk. The bathroom is destroyed because of her. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the the difference is the bar owner likes that behavior from her. <laughs> right. It it caters to his tastes. It's true. True. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's definitely more my taste than Lobo is, anyways. So absolutely. I mean, mustache aside. Mustache. <laughs> I'll agree with you there. With a mustache. Handlebar mustache. Yes. Yes, <laughs> please. Yes, and sir. Yes. And. They. You know, she's already that like perfect uh, redhead with the green eyes. But she, if she could just complete the trifecta. Yes. Handlebar mustache. Could, I could die a happy man. Um, do you do you want to uh, round out this little arc with uh, the the conclusion of the arc? Well, I mean, ultimately, it just winds up with with uh, John being TKO'd and uh, her giving him a nice little peck on the cheek, and it's it's a very cute and sweet moment. I think you're forgetting that in the aftermath, um, you know, it's it's clearly like dawn is breaking. There's people cleaning up from the raucous night of bar fightery. And he is slumped against the bar, knocked out, being cuddled, not only by Hawk Girl, but also by Doomsday's cousin. Oh. The three of them are all cuddling together. Oh, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> which, oh, which implies so much that happened in the intervening hours, Gary. <laughs> like, they made up, and they sang a bunch of old Green, Lan- like Green Lantern Corps drinking songs. <laughs> You know, and now they're now they're now they're bros. I love it. Yeah, that, that's 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 very cute. <laughs> they were all cuddling. <laughs> John was in the middle of the sandwich. It was so cute. Aw, <laughs> they were using him like a beanbag chair. <laughs> a John witch. <laughs> He's in a John witch. Yeah. He's in a John witch on December twenty sixth. <laughs> it's basically the start of a nursery rhyme. Uh, file that one right next to Grundy. <laughs> file g for grundy <laughs> how do you think about that arc i think pretty good i think it's fine i like i think it's my least favorite of of the three um but it's nice to see a little bit that, you know they're still pushing this this john and, and hawk girl storyline um and yeah. i loved seeing a different side of uh john stewart i every time we go back to his childhood dude yeah and just like the the big kid on christmas smile that he has yep doing snowboarding tricks oh right. god it's the one he should have been constructing a helmet though i will say that that's true that's a very good call i guess uh the the i guess the the risks of falling off your snowboard pale in comparison to like you know fighting cthulhu in the sky or whatever right i guess he can also catch himself too if he does fall so he, he has something that us human kids don't have but uh you know, I just, I love the idea that this is the one day of the year that he can forget about old Yeller and his problems. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really like that we get to see him giddy. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's, it's very fun. And I like uh, Hawkgirl letting her hair down. I think that the, the bar scene does make sense. I think that they might be pushing it a little too much. Like the belching after a gigantic swig of beer felt like a little bit performative tomboy right. to me. Yeah, which I guess um, kind of she is, but... She is. I just, it felt a little bit, uh, it felt a little performative, I guess. Yeah. Overselling but, a little bit, a little bit. Maybe just like the the barest hint of freedom, and she totally busts loose. But right. I don't know. It wasn't so far out of character that I like raised an eyebrow. It was just kind of like this is a little bit farther than I would have liked. Agreed. I, I thought the same exact thing. Weirdly yeah. enough, it just mm. uh, it was just a little too much for me. Um, it's in the right direction though. Like yeah. we yeah. are having her defrosting. So. Right, and like you said, it's not off character. It's just maybe on on this side of unpleasant. You know. Yeah, um, yeah, just that they're they're exaggerating a thing I'd rather be subtext. Right. Thank yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. I think it's time to go to Flash. I, I think it's best that we on this podcast save the, the Jean Jones story for last. I, I think we should. <laughs> yes. I'm not ready to cry just yet. So Um yeah, so yeah, uh, Flash just kind of starts at the orphanage. We've seen these orphans before in the Doctor Destiny arc, I think. Oh, like they're yeah. all they're all watching cartoons together. Right. It kind of makes sense. He's he's sort of a child at heart. Mm-hmm. They give him the kind of attention that he requires as a, you know, <laughs> as as a showboating, uh, uh, you know, class clown who never really graduated from that level of maturity. Like they they right. all kind of worship him in the way that he likes. Yeah, it's remarkably ungoofy. It he's is. Just sort of, he's just sort of a solid, like, you know, it's not one of those cringy, I wanted Superman or something like that. Like, they're all hyped to see him, and he's behaving like a good role model. It's right. it's pretty cute. It is. It is. Yeah. And it's another point of evidence that, like, Flash is only that much of a fuck-up and a jokester on the team because having Superman and Batman around, like, allow him to do that. Right. Which is, like, another thing that we've thought before is, like, mm-hmm. I, I had the feeling like I could slack off because Superman was around. Right. Now what do I do? Yeah. Um, seeing more evidence for that all the time. Yep. It's true. So you have a lot of, you know, cartoon paraphernalia behind you. Yes. Uh, some of it in box, some of it freestanding. I'm not seeing any DJ Rubaducky. Well, that was the year that my parents couldn't find the toy I wanted, Ben. Damn, like the, the supply chain issues uh, during yeah. the, the holiday season. It's it's rough out there. Yep. Um, Got a Cabbage Patch. I got a Tickle Me Elmo. I got a Turbo Man. But I didn't get the friggin' Disco Duck. No, you, you, had, to, duck. you had to pretend uh, you had your own by uh, having the Cabbage Patch jump up and down and just farting real loudly. Gary, what is this? Awful. What? I mean, like, clearly this is a dumb toy that they made up. So, like, the the, the plot conceit is that uh, the Flash wants to get them what they want for Christmas. Right. Uh, and what they want is DJ Rubaducky. Right. This, it's, it's this horrible. This this horrible uh, early two thousands white guy idea of what rapping is. <laughs> right. Like, I've seen this so many times in kids' media where they're like, I don't know what rapping is. It just seems like boops and beeps and, uh... And farts. And, uh, 
and farting sounds because yeah. everything sounds like crap to me because I'm a crotchety old adult who doesn't recognize that generation's um, the the eye the, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yep. And music doesn't count unless it's Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> so, uh, so, so this 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 rubber ducky, yeah, is presumably marketed to like young kids, right? But it's also like a, a quote unquote rapper. The commercial that it's in is just just abominable. <laughs> like I with with like the 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 kid. There's like two kids, and they're just like randomly like wiggling and waving, and and while this. This 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 duck farts in front right. of them, and I don't understand the requirement for this toy to be this unappealing. I think I think it's just I, I think whoever wrote this episode was just angry about Tickle Me Elmo because I mean that's, that's what it's, clearly that, what this it is. Feels like a personal beef, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or and and with with like a little bit of like culture uh culture clash thrown in there because they, they clearly have a very dismal disposition on what rapping is right <laughs> it's not even music Rawr. yeah there was definitely a senior citizen in the writing room for this episode oh if not entirely composed of them <laughs> quite possibly yeah yeah uh yeah i i hate that this exists just because i feel like it it offers a very um a very uh, dim perspective on like what the writers were thinking. Like I, yeah. I just it would have been so easy to like make a crypto the super dog reference. Oh or, yeah, you know they could have they could have brought something in from DC lore. You didn't have to make up a dumb fucking farting duck. Right. Yeah. It felt uh, it felt bitter. I like I think it was supposed to come off as jokey, but it didn't land. Like it it just felt no. bitter. And uh, I I I did not like it. I don't like it not because it's a bad joke, which it is. Yeah. I, I just dislike it because that it it uh, it, it feels pandering. Any fart joke feels pandering to me, especially True. in a thing like Justice League, which right. we're getting like the loneliness that a survivor of an alien species gets later in the episode. Right. This is I understand Flash is it. I understand that Flash is in the shot. That doesn't give you carte blanche to just do all of your prop comedy jokes. It's right. just, it's, mm. I was madder about this than I think we need to be. So well, I'll drop it. No, no. I mean, so the thing is, this is happening simultaneously while other heavy, you know, heavy stuff is happening. It, I think broken up the way that we're describing it, it works better because we could just yeah. ignore this portion, but we can't because it's in the midst of what we're going to talk about later. Do you, um, do you remember it's sometimes what you get with these um uh medley episodes where like you have them dissected into chunklets yeah and you can have a different tone in each one do you, i don't know if you watched the avatar the last airbender uh show i know i recommend you do um there is an episode called tales of bossing say and like one of them is really jokey and focuses on the joke character and one of them is exceedingly serious and focuses on the serious character. Right. And those two don't intercut their scenes through the course of the entire episode. It's just they're done separately. Right. Um, so may maybe that would have done better with this. I think it's so. It's hard to say. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I, I like the idea of, of 
many stories in an episode, but I don't love how they executed it. I feel like they did the same thing in Simpsons. They did like a Tales of Springfield episode where it's like secondary characters getting short segmented stories and, and they, they blend together at the end, but you know, each character gets his own designated time and it's not ruined by anything else that's happening. So they can do yeah. what they want with the story when they want to. Yeah, I it's it, again it's it's not as prominent as we're making it. It just bothered both of us, so it's oh, hard yeah. not to talk about it. Yeah. Um what they were going for was this is a dumb toy that you shouldn't understand, but that's not the point. The point is Flash wants to get them what they want for Christmas. And right. that's a good that's a good role model move. You're not yeah. supposed to you're not the one who's playing with the toy. You're just right. supposed to give them what they want. Right. Right. It doesn't have to make sense to you, Grandpa. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it is. It is a cute arc for him. Um, it's after this, he he like runs around. It, it, it's jingle all the way with the Flash instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger, basically. Yeah, exactly. And like, <laughs> if you had to have a mundane situation solvable by a man who can move really fast, this is a pretty good. Like, toys are sold out. You got to go check a bunch of stores and yep. then run across the Pacific to um, uh, to get uh, you know to get the to get one from the manufacturer. This uh, this this generically Japanese person, uh, who speaks in a generically Japanese interpretation of what I'm guessing is uh, an American. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't uh, check out the voice acting on this one. He sure says "domo origato" though. <laughs> <laughs> he sure does. Uh, yeah, it's not great. Yeah, uh, I've seen worse though. So oh, yeah, definitely. I'm not willing to get hung up on it. It's just like. You needed to say that this was a Japanese guy in five seconds, and that's the way to do it. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. But again, um, most of this would fly over a kid's head. You know, we're absolutely we're, we're a little obsessed with this because of how wrong it feels to us, I guess. But anyways, we're talking just, less we're, than a minute of screen time for both these things. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's not that prominent. What I do think is is worth pointing out and criticizing is I don't know why the hell he's in an art a modern art museum. When did this happen? Yeah, I got confused. How did, about how did that. he get there? Was he just passing through? Did he get a com link from Batman? I have no clue why he ends up at this modern art museum where Ultra Humanite is running amok. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I thought it was very strange myself. Uh, he had to have come directly from getting the toy from that Japanese guy. Right. Because he has the toy with him. So, and, like... I mean, even cut down on, like, 12 seconds of the farting noises in the commercial and then just give us 12 seconds of him running past the museum and he hears an alarm. I mean, like, that's easy. all it takes. Easy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, that would feel contrived, but contrived right. is better than nothing. Right. <laughs> it's and better than the absence of plot at all. Contrived also <laughs> works for Flash in a weirdly charming that's, sort of way. That's true, yeah. yeah. Like, he, he, he kind of fits that uh, serendipitous gift of the Magi type of, uh, type of story where everything just sort of works out <laughs> because he lives a charmed life, a yeah. semi-charmed kind of life, baby. That's right. <laughs> um, so anyway... He's at a modern art museum, and Ultra Humanite is there, blowing up modern art because he doesn't think it's good enough art. <laughs> I do love this. I, I don't understand the impetus for him doing this, like, other than his... This does, This seems beneath his notice. True. He could have just been running past the, the modern art museum and said, You know what? I always mean to do it. I might as well do it while I'm here. Let's go fuck it up with a ray gun. <laughs> right. Uh, so they rumble, and in the brouhaha... 
uh, it breaks the he 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 breaks the rubber duck. Right. Flash and, kill uh, trips him. Real yeah, hard. Yeah. 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 Um, and Ultra Humanite repairs it uh, with improvements. Yes. And they, I like I like their cute little conversation about like you know he's like oh Christmas that old thing and like just he's very dismissive about it. Right. Comfort and joy indeed. Yeah. Uh, I, I love I love the performance of Ultra Humanite. And Flash is just, like, such a good-natured, you know, uh, he's just such a good-natured guy that it, it just sort of rubs off on him. Right. It's like, it's not going to explode or anything, is it? Please. <laughs> it is Christmas, Flash. Right. Right. So, and it's I, cute. I, I, love, I love that Flash is, you know, trying to convince Ultra Humanite that, you know, Christmas is great. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it, it plays to him really well, I think. I think this episode does like a really good i a really good job of separating the cultural meaning of Christmas from the religious meaning of Christmas. Mm-hmm. We don't get any of that. The, no. They they sell to us Christmas in the way that you sell a kid on anything. Right. Just like they it gives you the feeling of the nostalgia that these people feel. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like when we were um, talking about John Stewart uh, when when Green Lantern was talking about the old comic books that he fell in love with. Right. You know, it, it really kind of sells that the creators feel strongly about the quote-unquote meaning of Christmas. And this is as a Jewish atheist. Right. Uh, so, like, I, 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 I can put my, you know, own in- impressions about Christmas and, uh, you know, how it's utilized in our society aside and recognize that they're trying to impart a message about this is a special time for people. Help them make it special. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I, I do love that. That I, I, So I, I love the feeling of Christmas, right? And, and I think that this episode does a good job of, of exhibiting that without getting, like you said, preachy or yeah. really uh, just beating you over the head with it. They, they find a way to take Christmas and make it interesting and, and across three different stories. Yeah, I, I do like that. And and like it's barely about Christmas for uh Green Lantern and, and Hawkgirl's story. They're just That's having true. a they're just having a weekend uh away from the away from the kids. Yeah. <laughs> they're, you know, having a romantic <laughs> all paid all paid sandals resort That's visit. True. Uh, That's true. <laughs> uh you know, so it it hardly remarks on Christmas at all there, but like, you know, that is a way that Christmas can like is is with a loved one. Uh with Flash, it's 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 about you know giving kids that wide-eyed sense of enthusiasm, right? Uh, and we'll we'll get to it in a second. The the notion of uh, you know inviting other people, inviting strangers into into your family. So yeah. Yeah. a lot of different angles on the idea of the meaning of Christmas. And I, right. I don't have any personal uh, association with it, so it doesn't hit me on nostalgia. But I right. think that show does communicate really well what you're supposed to be feeling. Agreed, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And even Ultra Humanite, uh, you know, cracks a little bit because he agrees to go with Flash to present the new and improved <laughs> DJ Rubber Ducky to uh, these orphan kids. Uh, he wears a Frosty the Snowman hat to hide his gigantic <laughs> brain, which is cute. Right. <laughs> the indignity. Yeah. It's a great uh, screenshot of Flash dressed as Santa and him with the, the big hat. It, it looks very, very It's cute. very funny. I, Flash sometimes has those relationships with his villains mm-hmm. of just like we're we're off the clock, big guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm taking you to jail after this, but you know, let's let's hang for a minute. Let's hang. Yeah, I, we never <laughs> catch up anymore. How's the kids? Right. 
and and so yeah, the, the the improvements are that in Ultra Humanite's voice, the the uh, the toy starts reciting the the the, the, the it starts reciting the Nutcracker. I think. I believe so. Yeah. I believe that that that's the uh, that screenplay for the Nutcracker, um, <laughs> which the kids are all like, "What the hell is this?" But they you know they gather around it anyway because we're not supposed to feel like Flash fucked up. We're supposed to feel like. Ah, we're we're all having a good time here. Right, right. Well, I mean, I know certainly that I had some relatives who gave me something I didn't really want, but then I still got into it, you know, because like yeah. the the heart's there, and that that's meaningful. So, in a couple decades, you're gonna th- think real fondly about that gift of wool socks. <laughs> it's true. I just you're not gonna someone... buy it for yourself, and you're yep. always gonna know that the warmest thing you have. Yep, most of my socks currently have holes, so this Christmas I'm actually hoping someone buys me socks. And <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll send you a pair. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Five year old Gary is like you, old bitch. <laughs> uh, and so we let let's let's round out the rest of the flash arc. Yeah, where uh, they take Ultra Humanite back to prison. Right. He just goes along with it, which I think is funny. Yeah. Um, and uh, Flash gets him a little uh, aluminum Christmas tree, and Ultra Humanite's actually a little bit, you know, speechless. Right. He's just like, no, it's, 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 this is, it's just like the one that I, thank you. Like, it yeah. just, you know, it's, it's good. I, right. li- I like this. It reads, yeah, I, I like yeah. that scene. Very cute. And then he gets, he, for some reason, has disco lights in his cell. That part threw me off a little bit. But uh, I, I'm wondering what kind of um, renaissance period he's going through. Because, like, <laughs> last time it was opera and wine, and now it's disco lights. Right. I'm confused as, like, he's going to be doing, like, some steampunk shit next time. <laughs> I hope so. I hope this, this, this sticks through, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we see him, he's wearing Jinko jeans from the 90s. and uh, Yes, please. Know. Although those would actually fit his giant feet, so I guess it works. How do you like the Flash arc? So it's, I think we've, I think we've established that it's a very mixed sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I like the ending. Um, Ending's great. I don't like how we got there, but yeah, you know, it does, it does play well for Flash, and and it's nice to see him, as you say, you know, like be successful at something. And yeah, uh, every so often we need to have him have a win. Right, and I just really like Ultra Humanite. Like whenever he's oh, there, he's I'm I'm into it. He's of, yeah. of Flash's monkey-based villains. I think he is the best. Absolutely, he's up there for villains in general. Like yeah. I, I love his motivations. They're uh, they're 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 very um very relatable. I was a little bummed that his cell was so much more absent of so bare. stuff. Yeah. yeah, like that didn't feel good. Well, it's because he's not next to Luther anymore, so you don't have that big <laughs> money coming into the into the into the jail. Okay. That checks out. Or maybe he's in solitary. Maybe he, like, broken opera singer over his knee or something. <laughs> yeah, so on to quite possibly the uh, pinnacle of the arc, I would say. This is pretty good, Gary. This is pretty good. So, yeah, um, way back before, uh, just to, like, throw the mind back, we actually started the episode with a little... We're finishing up a mission. That's right. Kind of uh, sequence because I think they knew that this was going to be an action light arc, mm-hmm. so they decided to just have like the climactic fight at the beginning, or like everybody is kind of like moving stuff around. Flash is putting pieces in place, and it's all to power up this generator on a foreign planet, right? To prevent a comet from colliding with their planet, right? And they're, I just have to say, these cute little mollusk creatures. <laughs> 
these little these little squidlings like the baby yeah. from MIB. <laughs> right. Um it just like it's very cute. Yeah, it is. Very cute and very silly. Yeah. Uh but but they, you know, they they wrap that up and Flash says, "Hey big guy, um that he's talking to Jean Jones, uh do you got any Christmas plans?" and uh he's rebuffed. Mm-hmm. Says uh, the the holiday holds no meaning for me. Uh and Superman kind of like gives him a look like, dude, what the hell? How do you not get that this is going to be a tender issue for him as a person who does not have a family or culture anymore? Right. Yeah. Uh, but Soups picks up the the hint that hey, maybe this is maybe this is going to be my good deed. Yep. And he he invites Jean Jones, Martian Manhunter, down to Mon Pa Kent's farm in Smallville, Kansas. Yes. Dude, I I don't know where you want to jump in on this because it's it's kind of all great to me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. Um, there's a great line uh, from uh, I think it's Pa, where mm-hmm. he he uh, you know when when John comes into the house, he's like, uh, you know, there's nothing strange to us about aliens around here. Whatever he says. It's yeah, a we're great no strangers to aliens in this house. Yeah, I love that. I thought that was cute they should get it on a mat in in front of their oh god it, door. that should be a, a that should be like a moment for any racial sensitivity class or oh, like true. like lgbt sensitivity class because like i think this is a fairly common uh a fairly common thing where like you think your parents are cool with you know gay people or black people and then you invite a friend who happens to fit those parameters into your house and right. a lot of the time it was like oh no we were okay with the concept yeah of you people right uh but nimby you know not in my backyard <laughs> yes and and that's that's true for a lot of people a lot of the time they mm-hmm. think they're going to be cool with gay people and then just well yep. it was only true when i didn't have to actually talk to them right so it's it's not insignificant this moment where Ma and Pa can't accept John Jones into the fold. Right. You know, they they don't like gasp at the door opening. They don't do anything like that. No reaction. They Superman didn't tell him ahead of time, which is kind of a shitty son move to do. It's like, by the way, I brought a guest. Right. He's doing it at the door. Right. So they're so game to be good, hospitable hosts, you know, to <laughs> To, to to Martian Manhunter that like he is welcomed in to their family quite literally like he right. gets he gets a uh, he gets Supergirl's bed yeah. <laughs> he gets Supergirl's like room with all like the 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 stuffed animals and stuff right right uh I, yeah I just God I Mom and Pa Kent have not been giving any characterization so far in this series have we even seen them just during the death of Superman arc okay. They showed up in uh, in the at the funeral, but they did not say anything. Right. Okay. But yeah, we, we haven't been getting much characterization, and um, I'm really glad that we got this. Mm-hmm. I agree. Can I tell you my only complaint with this arc is that it didn't like show John laying down and up on his ceiling was a poster of Shanna Squires. <laughs> Kara's brought all those mixtapes. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, I, 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 of all the arcs, like this one gave me like warm fuzzies throughout the entire time. 
And it's, it's going so to be wholesome. hard to talk about because it's it's just so it's so Christmas like it's, it's the only arc that doesn't have conflict in it. Mm. There's there's no there's no fight. There's a, there's there's a definitely internal conflict though for yes. for John, which I I buy into the internal conflicts of this show more than I buy into the physical. I love the spotlight that we get on the outsider at Christmas. Yeah, like it, you 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 are welcomed here. Mm-hmm. But you do not yet feel welcome, right? Uh, yeah, it's just it's so very well observed, and mm-hmm. like, I don't know, the relief for me was palpable when Ma and Pa Kent accepted him in, and like immediately, yeah, yeah, just without a without a without a beat. It's cute. I, I, it is so cute, just, uh, and he's just like, I don't want to impose I nonsense. Know. Come in here, and it, it's written from from. The Jean perspective so well because anyone who's ever felt like an imposition and we all have at one point or another like th- that reads really well to me they don't they don't take no for an answer no. it is so good yeah um and i got a little bit more to say about ma and pa kent ah i was wondering if because there's so few characters i'm like has he yeah, done everyone met most of them it was either ah. that or i like generic orphans uh, well, <laughs> or, or doomsday's cousin or tis the season to remember generic orphans ben I suppose. I'd rather them be named. <laughs> okay. <laughs> maybe maybe that's old fashioned of me. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, the character highlight for this episode is Ma and Pa Kent. Awesome. Now we know them as Jonathan and Martha Kent, but there's been a lot of different origins for these these this pair over the years. Uh, in the golden years, uh, Superman uh, is found by a passing motorist on the side of the road. Uh, but the, this was later changed to being found by a Mary Kent. Uh, sometimes they're also called Eben and Sarah Kent. I didn't even know Eben was a name, but whatever. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't until the 10th anniversary issue of Superman number 53 in August of 1948 that it's been firmly established that the couple discover him, take him to an adoption facility, and... Uh, and and adopt him firmly when the agency realizes his powers. So um, yeah, that they, they are then named, you know, Jonathan and and Martha Kent in subsequent appearances. Live in the rural town of Smallville, Kansas, um, and their most notable contributions to the Superman origin story. You know, sometimes they have conversations with Jor El's hologram or some other stuff like that. But I think importantly is that they instill the values in Superman that make him one of our most favorite characters in this series. Just moral, upstanding, good Boy Scout kind of kind of character. Yeah. Uh, and just, there isn't that much edge to them. I, I looked in the continuities, and generally with almost every other character that I ever looked up, it has a powers and abilities section. Because, you know... Snapper car got powers some down somewhere down the line. Like he wasn't designed like that, I assume. But that's just that's how expansive the universe is. Mm-hmm. These guys are almost never just his cute parents, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I really like. Yeah. Now sometimes they have been killed off in certain continuities, right? By a drunk driver, which makes it feel like a more Batman situation of like you know. That there's like the, the the whole revenge thing to it, but uh, in that continuity, which was apparently caused by Doctor Manhattan, 
Superman convinces Dr. Manhattan to rewrite history such that it didn't happen. Oh. I didn't look much into this because I didn't care. I don't think I would either. <laughs> um, do you know why he's named Clark Kent? I do not. Uh, Clark is Martha's family maiden name. Oh. Which is a very, like, antiquated notion. Like, I think most modern, you know, uh, at least most modern women I know do not take the husband's name, but these guys are very 50s, so, yeah. Right. I think that that's very cute as, like, a, well, he's our son. Uh, right. We want him to know that, so we're going to call him a name that's in the family. Right. You know, so they give him your maiden name and my last name, and he'll be ours. Yeah. He is just... I don't know, man. It, they're wholesome fucking parents, dude. Right. <laughs> Just no edge to them. The, the only edge that does come up is sometimes uh, Pa Kent and Clark will fight over the appropriate use of his powers mm. because uh, Pa Kent will be afraid that he will expose himself. Right. And that, that feels like a very um, overprotective parent kind of thing. Like, that feels very relatable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very a very well observed kind of aspect of parenting. Right. So um but yeah, I, I don't have really anything else to say about them. They're just they're just cute farmer people. <laughs> right on, yeah. I I love that. That's I'm glad there's no dark timeline for them. Yeah. Do you have uh, any familiarity or involvement with these characters? Like do they do they emotionally resonate for you at all? No, uh, I mean, unfortunately, uh, I feel I feel more of a connection to Thomas and Martha than than John and Martha. Uh, I mean, like I think most of the things I know about Superman's parents are tied to the unfortunate Snyderverse. So, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, forget that stuff. Right. Just have this. Right. Just have. Um, they invited Superman's friend, the six foot tall Green Martian, or seven right. foot tall, eight feet tall. He's very large. Yes. Uh, they invited him home for Christmas. That's that's right. all the context we need. And you know, I think that that's that's all the context we need. You know, comparing him to Batman's story of my parents were murdered and that caused this whole vigilante thing. Right. We have just this is a guy who is raised the right way, and I feel I feel like that doesn't happen often in superheroics. That's true. It is rare to have like you know two parents living and and strong role models in any sort of comic book universe so i think yeah I think it's uh these two are worth uh talking about yeah well generally it's a power fantasy in these mm -hmm. stories right like you know in, it, it appeals to young boys primarily that's the target market so to have a protagonist follow the rules and you know go to bed by 9 30 i feel like is just not a good sell these days <laughs> it's true there's a uh, and and something that happens is that when Clark walks in the door, he immediately turns into an eleven year old. It's so funny. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with like just the uh, he's he's peppy. Even Jean says, "I've never seen this side of you," and he's like, "Well, this is where I can you know relax finally." Right. right. Um, yeah. There's even a cute moment like towards the end of the episode on Christmas morning when he wakes up and like he he literally jumps out of bed. Mm -hmm. And it's at that moment that I'm I reminded like this guy can fly and he's he's mm -hmm. jumping out of bed like a child you know I love yeah, it. this is that yeah that's those are the reflexes yeah. of uh you know right of a consistent parentage <laughs> um yeah but he he just turns into a, a a big you know eleven year old uh excited to see his parents you know he 
he corrects them on saying, uh, you know, it, and we, we always had, I love this detail, when they're talking about Christmas to Jean, and they're like, we had to wrap Clark's presence in lead foil <laughs> so that he didn't take a peek on them before Christmas morning. Right. That is such a good detail. Yeah. Oh. And then he, like, corrects them and say, you mean Santa wrapped them. <laughs> right. Let's see here. Yeah. Uh, they give uh, Jean a sweater. Right. <laughs> uh, but it, since it was made for Superman's friend, they all pictured Superman and made and gave somebody with Superman's proportions a sweater. So it's gigantic on him. Right. <laughs> uh, and he has that little cute line. It's okay. I can grow into it. And then he physically remorphs into a person what could wear the sweater. And he says it's lovely, and I think that's so beautiful. Yeah. He's such a good guest. He's such a quiet house guest. I know. I know. I wish he would come over for Christmas. Honestly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he's he's still a little morose, Mm -hmm. and he's ghosting through the walls, observing the Kent family on Christmas Eve. Right. Uh, Clark trying to peek at his presence and then just go like, lead. (laughs) (laughs) Proof that he's still not quite uh, as mature as uh, he's he's an eleven year old when he's when he's under their roof. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, But he disguises himself as a human and walks around town just to kind of feel out the Christmas atmosphere. And he eventually uh, visits a church. Right. And hears some uh, some hymns going on. Yeah. And he reads a young girl's mind and uh, morphs into Santa Claus uh, to prove her right, that right. Uh, Santa does exist. Or he doesn't morph into Santa Claus, but he goes up on the roof and he comes down the chimney to eat the cookies to prove that Santa's real. Oreos, too. Good, good did, choice. Did you notice that he, he reacted to yeah. the... It was, it was almost imperceptible, but he just goes, mmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's an Oreo man. <laughs> As am I. But anyway, uh, we uh, then wake up Christmas Day. As you said, Clark jumps out of bed. We can't actually hear what's going on yet, but he hears something. Uh-huh. It's a nice little super hearing kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and they're all outside Jean's door, and he is singing. Or yes. he's, he's he's humming, like, uh, or, or singing uh, some, I'm assuming, Martian hymns. Right. Yeah. I can't understand the lyrics, so like I don't think they're English. Nope. They're just something that he remembers from his home. And he's sitting there on the windowsill with the cat that rebuffed him earlier, sitting yes. on the lap, and he's he's petting it, and he's in his Martian form. He's come oh. oh, it's so good. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I love this so much. That's, damn it. It's like it, it's everything that we've said about it. Like He shifts yep. back to his Martian form when he's either you know, panicking and, like, overwhelmed by people and has to hide from them, or when he can really be himself, when he really feels safe. Right. Oh, my God. (sighs) And the fact that he's singing Martian hymns, like, he's not giving his, you know, his culture up. Right. He's just comfortable being a Martian in the Kent home. Yeah. That is so good on every fucking level. Yeah. I've said a lot of things in this episode are cute, but this is, this is beautiful. This is beyond cute. It is. is. Just perfect you're right like i i can't oversell how heartwarming this episode is in all these little vignettes and like yeah generally when we're watching a justice league thing 
um, I don't know, it's it's such a hard thing to do to have an episode that doesn't have stakes and is heartwarming and, and not that goofy. Right. Like, I don't think we've hit this tone before, and I'm always very pleased when <laughs> they have the confidence to just try it. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, yeah, they gave us a few combat scenes that were very unnecessary, but, like, <laughs> right. they, ma- they made them made sense. Mm-hmm. And the fact that for this particular arc with the Jean stuff, there's no combat at all? Right. Holy hell. Good right. decision. Well articulated. Blown away. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know that this episode's made for kids as much as it is for people like us who have been through this for the past year or, you know, I, three yeah. years in the case of the original run. But it, it's, it's just so beautiful. The thing that I wonder, and, uh, you know, like, I don't know how this would play as just a Christmas special. Like, I think you have to have the connection to the characters like we have for this to really work. Otherwise, I think it'd just be a whole lot of, okay. It like, requires us to know about the characters to mm-hmm. sufficiently enjoy their arcs. Like right. the dynamic between GL and Hawkgirl necessary to yeah. get through the whole, like this is how we celebrate kind of thing. Right. It is necessary for Flash to be kind of a uh, kind of a mushy guy at heart, in order for us to be like, you know, kind kind of inhabiting. He's not like a big tough guy. He's he's kind of silly and he's kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order for us to sell the whole, we're gonna, you know, make Ultra Humanite a little bit good today. Right. <laughs> and then uh, I I think in that... order to get the Jean Jean stuff, we have to be very familiar with how lonely he feels. Yeah. I think it immensely helps the story for you know an adult to recognize that the feelings of alienation aren't easily shed right um yeah so yeah i don't know i i think that the jean arc is the only one that really stands on its own and in terms of like someone completely new to the series they they play this at 8 p.m on christmas eve uh right after charlie brown christmas i think that the 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 jean storyline is the only one that really works for the general public, but I still think that they're missing most of the heart with that finale, you know, because mm-hmm. like they wouldn't understand why he's an, you know, why he's in his alien form or, you know, yeah. all that. It's just, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all extremely good. And I was so happy to see Ma and Pa Kent being yeah. as wholesome that as I wish they would be <laughs> again. I don't want to like undersell like how much impact it is that people that you think should be, kind to the waiter actually are kind to the waiter oh yeah it, like again i just don't take it as a given anymore so i'm very like pleasantly surprised or vindicated yeah that the people who raise superman the best boy <laughs> uh are as wholesome as we wish he, that they would be yeah i agree wow um yeah so that's that's the episode yeah um, I, I would I would normally say final thoughts, but I think we've like pretty much stated our opinion. We we really have to the max. Uh, I mean, so there there's not really a need to, to to wrap up except episode highlight. Oh yeah yeah. Um, so for me, it's it's sort of a, a weird little moment in the cold open where uh, Jean acknowledges the fact that he is not fast enough to dismantle the situation. So he is projecting how to solve the problem into Flash's mind, who is fast enough to dismantle the situation. I thought that was a neat uh, use of their teamwork, especially after the past few arcs where it's like they don't get along. They are now. 
Yeah, that that is good. I that, I guess that like kind of slipped me by the wayside, but that that is true. They don't tend to work well together historically, so right. having them merge their power sets to solve the problem is very satisfying. Especially those two, cause like there's very little Flash Martian Manhunter interaction ever. So it's it's usually yeah very one sided conversations. Right, right. What about yeah. you? Um, mine was kind of a toss up between either the extra wide bar stool for the big guy <laughs> right or uh clark saying lead <laughs> disappointedly trying to get a peek at the christmas presents oh man yes great moment <laughs> it's a very good moment i i also like when mom and pa Kent are like we're no we're no strangers to aliens in this house which they could just mean superman but i like the idea that he regularly brings aliens from every which way home right like they're stray cats or something. <laughs> Can we keep them? Well, well, clearly, they have a thing for stray cats too. So, yeah. And, and given how often, and given how long they've existed in the DC universe, Clark must have brought a bunch of weirdos home. <laughs> yeah, he was made out of a black hole. Uh, <laughs> Kenny crashed for the night. Right. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Wow. Um, so. We'll, we'll we'll cover this whenever we get to the end of 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 the the season. Just like where does this stack up with all the other episodes? But I I think it's going to be high. I, I can I will summarize the episode as a whole by saying that I think it's going to be high because yeah. there's a lot of really good moments in it and some unfortunate yeah. ones as well. But a lot of good character moments. Also a very daring presentation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it would have worked better as like the three distinct arcs, like we set it up. Right. It still works fine the way it is. Agreed. I agree. And and the fact that they don't have any uh, action for the Superman and John Jones thing really shows a lot of patience and maturity compared to the Vandal Savage Superman uh, bug hunt. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, that's true. I'll so take. I'm, I'm glad they glad they found their their heart. I'll take the thirty seconds of. DJ Duck over, yeah, Bug Hunt. So that, yeah, that that's acceptable losses when it's around Flash. <laughs> like we, that's that that's just the that's just the ante. You know, it'll never be the worst Flash moment. So that's that's the good part. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, so we are almost through this. Uh, three weeks left to go in the year. Three more episodes to go. What is the finale called, Ben? The finale is called Starcrossed, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken. We get some hot hawk girl lore. Ooh, it's about damn time. I believe that a hawk man plays a role. Oh, interesting. But I'm not certain. I wonder if he is uh, also a redhead, red-haired, green-eyed creature. It, it, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It, 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 I don't know how uh, recessive it, it would be on Thanagar. I think it's brown hair, to be honest. Oh, well, that's just... And he never uh, removes his uh, his mask. Well, this is poo-poo. <laughs> <laughs> this is DJ Duck fart noises. That That's what it is. <laughs> uh, well, until we get to the first part of the finale, Ben, where can people find you? People can find me spending an impromptu Hanukkah at uh, Mom Pa Kent's place. I will be there trying to befriend several cats. Uh, but <laughs> until then, you can find me at the Carton Cast. It's a podcast that I do with my brother about old cartoons. You can find us at fancybat.com slash cartoncast. And Gary, where can people find you? At Christmas. Celebrating Christmas. Uh, 
<laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't ready for the question. So uh, we're going to go with that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I like it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so once again, happy December. Hope that this is a great kickoff point to your season. And uh, we'll see you next week for Starcrossed Part 1. Season's greetings. Or in the case of Hawkgirl, season's beatings. Thank you for listening to The Watchtower. To find out more about this show or any of our other shows, visit us on the web at www.waxnostalgicnetwork.com.